welcome to the Cedar House Church Sermon of the Week. Our desire is to remain in God's presence, explore His passions, and supply tools that serve and inspire. I was asking Landon, um, did you have a Valentine for me that you wanted to give me right now? Right now in front of everybody? No pressure. I just put him on the spot because I can. Uh, He said it's at home. Uh, What he doesn't know is I saw it in his closet. It's flowers, but he didn't put it in water two days ago. So I just sneaked in there and I cut the ends. I stuck it in water and I'll get those sometime tonight and they'll still be alive. That's what it looks like to be successfully married for a long time. I got you. Look, he's in here. He doesn't even know. He's going to be surprised. He won't, obviously, because he didn't know the flowers would die. I wish you had heard it. Um, Anyways, it's Valentine's Day. How special to spend Sunday, Valentine's Day together. Isn't that fun? Who loves Valentine's in here? All right, everyone look around at the people with their arm raised and do something nice for them today. For all of you with your arm raised, we have caramels and cookies out by the coffee bar just for you, not for the ones who didn't raise their hands. And all the children. We put them up high, so hopefully they make it. No, um, we made our calendar. We're like prepared this year. At the end of last year, Lan and I sat down. We made our calendar for 2021, what we're going to teach on, who's going to teach, the whole thing. And I get Valentine's Day. And I was excited about it. I was like, oh, this will be a great day. I'm going to talk about the heart. I'm going to talk about the love of God. It's going to be warm. It's going to feel like Valentine's Day. And then I wrote my sermon. I gave the information to Canaan to make artwork for it because she does that. And I heard God say, stop kicking against the goads. That's what I want you to talk about. And I was like, that's not warm. That's not fuzzy. That's violent. People don't know what goads are. That's like ancient. Not naming my sermon, stop kicking against the goads. But you know when God speaks, it's like, like I can fight it, but I'm like, yeah, okay, I'm going to do that. But I'm still going to talk about the heart. And so today is going to be about the heart, but it's going to be about the idols that we serve, the idols that actually get into the space that was only designed for God to have. (sighs) Happy Valentine's Day. (laughs) It's going to be serious. It's going to be a serious, serious sermon. I'm going to start. I'm going to pray because we're talking about idols and everybody's going to get offended. You can feel it. Anytime someone says, hey, I'm going to take away that thing you lean on, you're like, don't take Netflix. Like, don't take it. Don't take my chocolate. Don't take my gossip. Don't take it. I'm pray. God, I love you so much. Thank you that you are here with us. Thank you that you can correct us. You can speak to us. You can call out our idols. You can call out our weaknesses. And we can feel your loving kindness. So I just ask that you come and you pour your spirit out on us in a fresh way. You want to see more of your glory today. We want to see more of you today in ways we haven't experienced you. Come and let your fire, your, your consuming fire, just burn away all the blackness that we have stored in our hearts. We just give you permission. We give you our whole heart, all the places in it. We want revival. We want to see the heart survived in the city. Amen. All right, so an idol. I wish this was like an interactive thing. I'd be like, raise your hand. What do you think an idol is? Anybody? Anybody want to do it? No pressure. Definition of an idol. Anything. Oh, oh, we got some. Okay, cool. Period. Let's go back into worship. That's it. That's the whole sermon. (laughs) That's it. Anything that we put before God. She got it. She already got it. The answer. It's it. It's that because it, it, it's that simple. Anything that we go to before we go to God, anything that we lean on instead of leaning on God, we put it up above it. We we look at it. We become like it. Then we worship it. We become like what we worship. It slips in there so sly. It lures us in. You'll get what you want this way. But it's serving another God. It's serving a false god. It's serving an idol. It's serving something that's powerless. 
serving something that just brings destruction into our lives. And God is so good that he literally just loves the hell out of us. All the hell that we put in us, all the idols, hell, death, the grave, for eternity, he set us free from this. But we can daily live in hell when we partner with unforgiveness and idols come in and pollute our hearts. And we do it. We're like the Israelites. We're like, we serve you, God. Thank you for the manna. And then we're like crafting a golden statue and we're worshiping it. And then the next morning we're like, so sorry. And, we d and we're just like, do it all over again. You know the definition of insanity is to do the same thing over and over thinking and you're going to get a different outcome? Who is guilty? Right? For real. We read the stories of the Israelites and we're like, what's wrong with them? Like, why would they do that? It's so obvious. They could look at yesterday. It didn't work. And then they wake up the next day and do it again. And we do that too. We do. And it, you know what? We're on this side of history. We're in the new covenant. We're in the grace side of everything. And that means it's in our hearts. It's not just what we do outside of ourselves. It's actually the things that we sow in our hearts the idols that get in there on the inside. So I want to read um, a scripture in Acts 26. You want to put that up there, Jonathan? This is a good story. This is the story of Saul's conversion. Saul to Paul happens in this story. This is when Jesus stepped into Saul's life and said, stop kicking against the goads. Stop resisting me. Stop fighting my way. Stop killing my people. Stop persecuting my people. So I'm going to read it. So then I thought to myself that I had to do many things hostile to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And this is just what I did in Jerusalem. Not only did I lock up many of the saints in prisons, having received authority from the chief priests, that means he was on assignment to do this. He was on assignment. He had an agenda. But also, when they were being put to death, I cast my vote against them. And as I punished them often in all the synagogues, I tried to force them to blaspheme. And being furiously enraged at them, I kept pursuing them even to foreign cities. While so engaged, as I was journeying to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priests, at midday, O king, I saw on the way a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, shining all around me, and those who were journeying with me. I love this story so much. And when we, and when we had all fallen to the ground, I heard a voice saying to me in the Hebrew dialect, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. I'm going to stop there. Which one is that? Yeah. I love how Jesus just steps into his life. He just steps in to the worst person against his believers, the worst person against his people. If you want to see radical change in your life, that, that prayer right there, a Saul to Paul conversion, I pray that over everything that seems too big, everything on the earth that is demonic, everything that is bad, that the people at the top of evil things would have us all to Paul conversion. That is our God. Our hearts are only made for him. The eyes of our heart are made only to look at him. And when we serve idols, when we let idols in our heart, they get our eyes off of him. They get us confused. They get us looking ways that will not bring goodness to our life. All of his ways are for us. All of his ways are for us. So these goads, these are um, like background because I don't know if anyone uses goads anymore. But uh, it was like a spiked stick that people would use to herd their cattle, uh, to probe them to get back in line. And to kick against it, you can imagine, you, you know, if this is a cow, it's like a cow does. It, it stabs itself. You kick against something sharp, you're going you're to get hurt. 
And if you think about that's what we do when we, when we serve idols, when we pick up control, when we blame, when we gossip, we're kicking against the goads. We're kicking ourselves with a spike and we're bleeding all over the place, all over ourselves, all over other people, and we're making a big mess. That's what we do. That's what happens when we serve idols. So why do we do that? Why do we do that? How do we get caught up in that? I think it's because we have trust issues. I think it's because we don't realize that we put our hope in each other instead of him. And I think it's because we get scared and we don't admit it. And then all of a sudden we try and jump on the throne instead of throwing all the things at the one who's supposed to sit on the throne. He's an all-consuming fire. He wants us to throw all this stuff at his feet. It's the place it belongs. It's not our job to try to control things. That's what surrender is. This is scary. I don't know how to do this. They keep hurting me. I'm disappointed. This doesn't look the way I thought. We throw that at his feet. We don't go get on the throne and try and do everything to make it look the way we think it should look. We can't be outcome-focused people, right? But we do it sometimes. We fight. We strive. We compete. We blame. We turn against one another. We have needs to be right. I hope this is stirring up things in you. You're like, oh my gosh, that's me. I do that. You know? Because this is the Holy Spirit bringing light to those dark places. And we need a purging. We need a cleaning out. I know what God is doing today. I know he is cleaning house. Because he has so much glory to pour out on us. And he doesn't want us to be like the Israelites, eating the manna and then building golden statues. Because that's not freedom. The moment that we partner with control, we are actually being controlled. We are actually not free. We are giving all our power and authority to the accuser of the brethren. We're putting on handcuffs and we're thinking what we want is going to happen. It's never going to work out that way. I'm just calling it today. It's like BS. It's never going to work. It's never going to work to control. It's never going to work to need to be right. It's never going to work to be defensive. It's never going to work to gossip. It's never going to work to blame. It's never going to work to shame. What else? There's more. It's never going to work to strive. It's never going to work, ever. It's never going to work out. Manipulation is never going to work for you. Never going to work. Unforgiveness, never going to work for you. That person is never going to feel punished from your unforgiveness that you're holding in your heart. Unforgiveness is a prison that we do to our own heart. It does nothing to the person that hurt us. It's the greatest scheme to partner with unforgiveness, to think that we will actually have our vengeance. It doesn't work. And a lot of times we do this in the name of God. A lot of times we do this in the name of seeing his promises fulfilled. Right? The call of God on my life is this. And then we just start manipulating, controlling, gossiping, blaming, shaming, instead of surrendering again and again and again. Surrender is a daily, if not constant thing. It's not like, I surrendered yesterday, I'm good. It's, oh my gosh, this is in my heart. Oh my gosh, this is in my heart. Oh my gosh, let me lay it down, let me lay it down, let me lay it down. But it's also as easy as that. It's as easy as going, oh, I'm bitter. I'm giving it to you, God. You don't have to wait for Sunday in a worship set or to be alone in your closet in the moment. Oh, I feel bitterness. I'm not going to act out of that bitterness. I'm not going to get that bitterness all over everybody else. I'm not going to serve up bitterness and call it God, call it the love of God. And we do that a lot of times when we wonder why people don't want our God. We're serving them such toxic stuff and we're like, why don't these people want my Jesus? I brought them a meal. Why do they feel shame? Maybe you were a little frustrated or striving or bitter. I've done it. I've watched people's kids and I'm like, I hate you. I will take your kids. And then they come and they get their kids. I'm like, why aren't you praising me? I just watched your kids for eight hours. It's because they can feel. They're like, I feel so much shame. Uh, thank you for watching my kids. 
right? Anybody give a gift and you're like poisoning it when you're giving it? Anybody receive a gift with some poison? And you're like, that's what you got me? That's it? Okay. Okay. It's both ways. What's in your heart? It's going to come out. You can't fake it. You can't put on a smile and have bitterness in your heart and that person not pick it up. They might not understand what they're picking up, but their spirit knows that's not God. Because God's love is so good and so pure, and when it fills us up, it overflows out of us and it gets on everyone, and we don't have to do anything. They want it. They want our God. But if we don't get the idols out of our heart, we're just polluting everything. It's just going to take longer for heaven to come to earth. We want to see glory. We want to see revival. We got to throw down our idols, right? We got to throw down our ways. We can't keep doing it. We can't keep trying to make things happen our way. And we do. That outcome-oriented thinking is real. That's like Sarah, right? She gets a promise. And what does she do? After she laughs at God, what does she do? She goes and she's like, well, I'm too old. This isn't going to work. I know what I'm going to do. I have a maidservant. Go sleep with my husband. Make me a baby. We'll see God's promises fulfilled. How much mess did she make? Not just in her own life. How many generations have suffered because she was like, I got an idea. I'm not going to believe for impossibilities because I'm scared and I don't want to deal with my doubt and keep the doubt in my heart. I'm going to go try and make this happen. I got a baby out of it. And look at what we are living in right now. But God doesn't remember Sarah that way. He calls her faithful. That's our God. Matthew 6:24 says that we cannot serve two masters. We cannot, we cannot love God and money. And that's not to say you can't have money. It is to say you can't put your trust or hope or anything in anything besides God. Because he's jealous for us. And I used to hear that and think, oh gosh, he wants to control me. God's jealous for me, like, oh gosh, he doesn't want me to have anything outside of him. He's so jealous for me to be free. He died on the cross. He gave me Jesus. His blood atoned me and set me free to be free, to not have idols in my heart, to not serve anything before him because he's not egotistical. He knows that's what makes me free, free, to be free. That's it. He died for me to be free. And then he gave me the Holy Spirit to have power to constantly be free. So if you feel controlled by anything in your day, that's not freedom. If you feel like, I can't do this, I shouldn't do this, I wish I had done, that's not freedom. That is the voice of accusation coming against you. The devil is called the voice of the accuser. He walks around yelling lies, accusing us humans until we partner with his voice and say it to each other. And that is what has happened. Have you been on social media? I don't hate social media, but I hate the way the Christians are talking on social media. It's humiliating. It's wrong. It's confusing. It's painful. It is not God. God does not speak with shame. He doesn't speak with accusation. He doesn't speak with bringing down people. That is never how we're supposed to do it. That's Sarah running over and getting her maidservant. If we're scared, just say you're scared and throw it at his feet so he can give you faith and hope and joy and peace and patience and gentleness and kindness and goodness and self-control. And then he can do it again and again and again and again. He will keep filling us up with these things. And you know what? It doesn't matter how many idols we pick up and stick in our heart. He will still give us all this goodness. He will keep filling us up overflowing. He doesn't withhold from us. He's not a punisher. He gives us good things all the time, overflowing. But I think the church is better than that. I think we're smarter than it. I don't think we're insane. I don't think we're crazy. 
I think we have the ability because we have the Holy Spirit. We have the grace of God, which is divine favor. It gives us the ability to do things we cannot do on our own. So we can stop acting like Israelites. We can stop acting insane. We can actually stop living with idols. We can. We might have to daily surrender, most likely. I mean, I know I did, even preparing for this sermon. I was like, I'm so excited. Oh my gosh, I'm bitter. You want to hear a real story? I was like, got all the chocolates and everything, and Landon and I had discussed like dropping them off at the church, and they were on the porch, and there was miscommunication. And then we were leaving, and I was like, they're on the porch. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so bitter. I'm so mad. Like Immediately, I wanted to like blame. I know the plan. This was the plan. This is what I was supposed to do. And I was like, I'm about to take all this chocolate to the church, all these cookies, put them out, and just drench them in bitterness. <laughs> Happy Valentine's Day. Just dipped it in for you. A little bit of bitterness, a little bit of blame, a little bit of accusation. And I was like, oh, no, I know what I can do. I can just get that out of my heart. This is like from getting out of the car to walking to the porch. That's, that was me dealing with. This is real. I don't know about you, but there's stuff that goes on in there. Because there's stories from my life and meanings that I've made that I have to filter things through until I realize I'm filtering through them and not Jesus. Okay? We can't like like let our life tell us who God is and how every situation is. We have to let him do that. We have to take it, surrender it to him, and hear what he is saying and get it from him. I want to read a few scriptures about our heart. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Luke 6.45 says this, A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart, and an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what's in your heart. Proverbs 4.23. I'm going to read a, a couple different translations of this one verse. Guard your heart, for from it flows rivers of life. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flows the springs of life. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Got a lot of responsibility there. We got to manage this. We got to take care of this. We got to clean it out. We got to lay things down. I want to I want to do this little demonstration. I should have had the kids in here. Okay. It's like science fair right here. And this is my picture. No. This is this is us, right? So beautiful and clean. We accepted Jesus. And then we have the love of God. I would just let this keep pouring until it overflowed cuz that would be more accurate, but I'm, I don't want to make a mess. I'll probably make a mess anyways. These are people in our lives. Some of you, you know, you might only have, you know, just one person in your life. That was a joke. You should have more people in your life. This is what it looks like. That's the love of God in our heart, right? We go to worship. We get filled up, overflowing with him. See how pretty that is? You can see through it. It's clear, it's nice. We have something hard go on. What do we do in life? We have conflict arise. Where do we go? Do we go over here? Do we go over here? Do we go to God? Oh, let's go get filled up by God. Then we go around people. Ready? Look at what we get to give people. Here's some love of God. Look at that. Should I have a YouTube channel? Is this entertaining? That one only gets a little bit. That one was a little offended. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm not punishing them, but just kidding. This is just a demonstration of what I just talked about. I'm a very visual person. So say we have something hard in our life. Say we're scared. And instead of going to God, we go over here and we get a little bit we just kind of gossip a little bit. We just kind of externally process. Just share it with some friends. We're just, we're just talking about it. We're just like running it by, making sure we hear things right. 
make sure we got our story right before we go talk to the person. Just, just making sure. And then we're like, you know what? I think, you know what I discern? I think I discerned that they, I think they manipulated me. That's right. And then we blame. Blame's the nasty one. And then we're like, hey, let's go to a party. Hey, people, I love Jesus. Ooh, look what's inside of me. You want some? You want some? Oh, you don't want any? Smart. <laughs> Choose your friends, have boundaries. This is what we do. Ew. Okay, this isn't God anymore. <laughs> That's his feet. That's God's feet. He's like, thank you so much. That smells like perfume. I love you. He's like, let's get that all out. Hold on. Let's, let's just get it all out. There's a little bit more. You didn't see that. In the corner of your heart, I saw it. There's jealousy. Come here. I love you. Look at this. Look at this. There's more. You'll never run dry. There's always more. There's always more. Mess it up, screw it up, come back for more. You like that? You guys like demonstrations. That's so fun. I saw that in my head and I was like, I should actually try and do that. Let's see. I need to wear the head mic like Paul. Then I could really do it. You know, two hands. I want to read another scripture. This is Luke uh, 6.46. This is about our solid foundation. This whole thing, everything is about lordship. And we just got to call it. We are serving something. We're serving this up to people, and it came from somewhere, right? We're serving blame, gossip, control, manipulation, these things that are not God's ways. And we are called to serve only one. The solid foundation is Jesus. This is what Jesus says. So why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord? when you don't do what I say. I will show you what it's like when someone comes to me, listens to my teachings, and then follows it. It is like a person building a house who digs deep and lays the foundation on solid rock. When the floodwaters rise and break against that house, it stands firm because it is well built. How do you stand in life when things come at you? when you have a bill, when you get in a fight, when you're wrong, when you make a mistake, when you don't sleep, when you're overwhelmed, how do you handle that? Only you know it. Do you feel like you are on a solid foundation or do you feel like you're thrown by the waves of life? There's more. We don't have to live feeling thrown by the waves of life. Do you know that? He came, he died, he gave us abundant life. That means we don't have to feel that way. We don't have to experience life like that. We can be unshakable. Unshakable. That means anxiety doesn't rule. That means depression doesn't rule. That means poverty doesn't get your heart when you don't have finances because he's provider, right? But anyone who hears and doesn't obey is like a person who builds a house right on the ground without a foundation. When the floods sweep down against that house, it will collapse into a heap of ruins. Every time we put our trust in something else, partner with something else, yield to something else, anytime we step outside his ways, we are not under his lordship. And his lordship is what keeps us. It's what we're created to, to be in. It's what our heart longs for the eyes of our heart are made just for him nothing else will work no other ways will work just his ways so i want to talk about forgiveness a little bit you're right um unforgiveness is like a tr a, a fool's trophy right you get hurt and you're like you're not forgiving them and we walk around like that's going to work and it doesn't. Unforgiveness is toxic. It is the root of everything that gets in our heart. Everything. Jesus wasn't kidding around when he died for us to be free. He wasn't kidding around when he said, forgive, and you'll be forgiven. Think about that. Like, 
as you forgive, he will forgive you. He's very serious about forgiveness. It's not a tool. It's not like a little prayer. He's not like, hey, you know what, when you feel like it. We don't have time for that. We don't want rotten hearts. We want to see the whole world know our God. And scripture tells us that they will know our God by the way we love one another. So if we are going to get filled up by him and let this love out into the people around us so they can know him, it starts with forgiveness. If it hurts right now, it's okay. It's the Holy Spirit saying, you can be free. There's more. You can feel more of my love. I would love to ask everyone in the room, like, how do you feel the love of God? How much of the love of God do you feel? Is it easy to feel the love of God? Do you feel like it's hard to feel the love of God? Because we all know in our heart between God and us what's going on. We know how hard or how easy it is. And a lot of the times, it comes down to forgiveness. So the worship team is going to come back up, and I'm going to pray, and we are going to, I'm going to pray over forgiveness, but we're also just going to lay it all down, lay down all the things we hold in our heart, pour it out before him. Our heart is an altar. That is our altar before God. So you don't have to go anywhere, do anything. Sometimes it's good to. Sometimes you need to come up front. Sometimes you need to take that walk and lay down your pride and be humble. And sometimes you need to make that prophetic act of like, I'm not just sitting in this anymore. I'm getting up. I'm moving out of this. You know, sometimes our body helps our heart to follow its lead. So as we go back into worship, I just want you to to really let the Holy Spirit lead you through your heart and see what is in my heart. Where are the places where I have allowed darkness to be in my heart? Where can I let the love of God in? Where are areas that I feel like it's hard to let the love of God in? Okay, I'm going to pray. Holy Spirit, thank you. You are so good at your job. You are so good. You're so good at cleaning house. You're so good at bringing healing. You're so good at bringing restoration. We just lay our pride down. We just humble ourselves before you. We yield to your ways. We want your ways above others, above our own way, above our agendas. We don't want to serve anyone but you. God, I thank you that you are for us. I thank you that your ways are for us. I thank you that you've made this so easy. Yeah, I just see all these things being laid on the altar. Yeah, I just bless you with courage. I bless you with courage to let go of the things that have gotten you here. There's a great quote that says, what got you here won't get you there. So I just encourage you to lay it down and let your eyes look upon the one that they long for. God, I thank you that you never let us down. I thank you that your love is enough. All our fountains are in you. Just say that over your heart. Heart, all my fountains are found in him. All my needs are found in you, God everything I long for, everything I'm searching for, all the prophetic words over my life, my hopes and my dreams, they're all found in you. I just surrender my need to control outcomes. I surrender my, my need or the, even the thought that I know what an outcome should look like. We just surrender. We don't need to know. We don't need to know what it looks like. We don't care what it looks like because you're good. Even if, even if it doesn't show up the way we think, we will still serve you, God. Even if these things aren't fulfilled the way that I think they should be, I will still serve you.
listening to the Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit cedarhousechurch.com.
listening to the Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit cedarhousechurch.com.